that leprechaun. He's got lucky charms. They're magically delicious. Always have to be lucky charms. The frosted Ophelia with sweet surprises. Hearts, moons, stars, clovers. See? Magically delicious. <gasps> They're coming. I'll fly away in a balloon. Frosted lucky charms with sweet surprises. See? Magically delicious. Now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert. All hands to battle stations. Engage. Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, or they'll destroy you. We are dangerous. Welcome to a magically delicious episode of Star Trek <laughs> Monthly Monday, the Next Generation Edition. You see what I did there? Um, <laughs> clean as a whistle. <laughs> I am Scott McGardner, and joining me, as always, is my bestest pal, Chris McHoneywell. Ah, oh, you want to get your hands on me, Lucky Charms? <laughs> <laughs> Josh and Bigora. Oh, Faith and Bigora. That's about all the Irish I know right there. Oh, my oh, God. Space descendants of Chief O'Hara here pretty soon. <laughs> Space Chief O'Hara. Oh, my God. Have we got a couple of friggin' doozies for you this oh time, boys. Um, I don't know about you. Really got nothing much as far as... um 
preamble. I, I except for these quick two quick things. <clears throat> uh, Megacon is coming up for uh, for Orlando. It's the big uh, convention. Happens here in the Orlando area every year, and uh, Megacon's coming up this year. It is March. 15th through the 17th and you're probably asking yourself why the hell is he talking about megacon because if you are a fan of star trek the next generation just listen to this guest list you got patrick stewart you got your lavar burton denise crosby john delancey michael dorn jonathan frakes kate uh gates mcfadden brent brent spiner Marina Sirtis, Will Wheaton, and Larry Nemesek. Nemesek. Who? Larry Nemesek. He is the recently fired uh, author of the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. Now I'm just kidding, of course, but you know, we used to read our he synopses. Nemesek. <laughs> yeah, well, he got hey. Nemesek. We used to read our, our synopses for the episodes out of that book, but uh, as good as the book is, and it really is a good book, it gives you a lot of insight and information about the production process of the show, little trivia, uh, you know, behind the scenes things, that sort of thing. But uh, I, his synopses just not my favorite. It's, but uh, you know, yeah. if I get the opportunity to see him while I'm there, I think I'm going to see if I can get him to sign that book. For me. <laughs> <laughs> just get to be in it before you tell them about the podcast to listen yeah to exactly listen to it going that son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> um real quick before we uh, get into the episode proper just want to throw out a, a, another uh uh shout out another thank you to uh our good friend andy Leyland for uh sitting in for me for the last uh, couple of star trek uh, monthly mondays both the classic edition and the uh the next gen uh, great shows. I thought you guys did uh, did fantastic, and uh, Andy's just he's always a riot and, to listen to. And I want you guys to use Andy as an example. He was the first person to actually pr- he provided us with all three synopses. That yeah, month. and I was yeah. just like I'm like I feel bad, Andy, that you know that that you did all of them, and he's and he said no, really. Remember, you guys were soliciting for people to write synopses so he could conceivably just keep writing them and you know submitting them and we would probably use them they're definitely better than nemesacs <laughs> and definitely yes. what we, we we come up with our lazy asses oh he he cracked me up but i mean he had some, let him be some, an inspiration like, to the rest of you guys you know i i just it just occurred to me when you said that Even i though know he what... is british <laughs> We do have feedback, and I appreciate folks writing in. Uh, we have been putting out that plea to please write into the show. We have been receiving some very nice feedback, and we do have feedback for Star Trek. But uh, based on how long our last episode ran, uh, you know, the companion to this episode, of course, is Star Trek Monthly Monday Classic Edition. Um, hope you're listening to both shows. Uh, but that one did run a little bit long, so because we're a little squeezed for time, we will get uh, to the feedback next time around, promise. In the meantime, um, the only other thing I had was, you know, I was going to tease Andy, and I think I did kind of throw out something on Facebook, teasing him just a little bit about, you know, dude, loved your coverage, but how could you miss the fact that uh, Sonia Gomez from Q Who was played by the same girl that played Pike's girlfriend on The Flash, you know, in the pilot episode of The Flash? But he teased me back that, uh, you know, the girl, that same girl 
was the the three titted alien girl from um, yeah you you can't from you can't I, step to Mike Bailey man with with his actors and what they were in he just he knows every it's no not Mike Bailey uh, Andy did I say Andy? Mike no 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 my brain said Mike for some reason oh okay <laughs> but no yeah Mike's the same way though but no uh, Andy uh, pointed that out and I I never realized that that was the same girl never even made that connection so. Well, now you know you've seen you've seen her boobs, and mm, more. Mm. <laughs> now, do you think any of the three of those are, are the real her? Any of her real Two ones in that, or is probably it that, were? Yeah, you think so? Well, maybe they might have made her a full chest prosthetic. prosthetic. But yeah, I, I think so. The director is Paul Verhoeven, and he's he an a perv. Man? He's a big old <laughs> perv. He so he probably probably wanted to go for the practical real boobs. He probably had to adjust them for lighting and everything, too. So, I'm sure. Well, as I've said many a time before, real, fake, who cares? Doesn't matter, as long as the light's hitting my eyes, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we got a couple of humdingers for you this time, so... Ding! (laughs) So, the first one on our docket for today is an episode from the second season called... Up the long ladder, which I still say. It feels like they put a long ladder up (laughs) you for this one. (laughs) It does sound like a very rude thing to say, doesn't it? Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, a rescue mission uncovers a colony of clones facing extinction. I was hoping that you would be willing to share some tissue samples. You want to clone us? And to keep their race alive, they're conducting secret breeding experiments on the crew. We're desperate. And that gave you the right to assault us, to rob us, and we have the right to survive. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. This one first aired the week of May 22nd, 1989. Synopsis as follows from the Nitpicker's Guide for Next Generation Trekkers reads, while at Starbase 73, Picard receives word about a distress call from the Ficus Sector. Which, that sounds vaguely rude, too. I don't know why exactly, but well, it does. Well, it's a houseplant, actually. is <laughs> <laughs> what a ficus is, yeah. <laughs> Further investigation reveals that the SS Mariposa left Earth early in the 22nd century, uh, headed toward the ficus. So, yeah, you said that already. The Mariposa transported not only colonists, but also an odd collection of primitive tools and technologically advanced computers. At the origin of the distress at the talk. At the origin of the distress call, the Enterprise finds a group of 223 colonists and assorted farm animals. Insert your own joke here. <laughs> they call themselves the Bring Lady. Oh, because that's a great name. Since their son is generated, <laughs> if they were an all-black colony, would they be the Kill Whitey? Oh, I'm not going near that. Get Whitey. <laughs> Since their son is generating intense solar flares, Picard decides to evacuate the colonists. When the Bring Lloydy insist on bringing their animals, Picard brings them all to a cargo bay. Well, actually, Picard doesn't do it. Uh, what's his name? Does it? But anyway. During the conversation with the Bring Lloydy leader, Picard discovers the existence of another colony 
planted by the Mariposa. The Enterprise soon finds the other colony in a nearby star system. It is a colony of clones. Clones? <laughs> Hundreds of years ago, the Mariposa crash landed on the planet. Only five of the colonists survived, three men and two women. Since they were scientists, they turned to cloning to survive and populate the planet. Unfortunately, replicative fading has occurred. <laughs> okay. Each clone is a copy of the last, who is also a copy of a copy. What are they using, like, VHS tapes exactly. for this process? I don't understand this whole... All right, whatever. Subtle errors in the DNA have crept in. In two or three generations, the clones will no longer be viable. Everyone will die, die, everybody die. Searing agony. <laughs> Picard suggests a solution. The clones need an infusion of breeding stock to revive their society. Coincidentally... That's a nice way of putting it. Yep. <laughs> the Bringoidi need a new home. Picard purposes, uh, or excuse me, I can't read, proposes rather, Picard proposes that the Bringloidy settle on the clones world. Faced with no other solution, the clones begrudgingly accept and the two colonies that began on the Mariposa are reunited. And it How feels so good. <laughs> uh, where to start with this abomination? Hey, okay, I'm going to preface this with a little rant. I and and this will probably make people think less of me as a person because not a lot of people Is that possible? Not a lot of people will cop to their racism on on their own podcast, but I'm going to I'm going to take this time to do it now. I'm only a little bit racist, but I I'm going to cop to my racism and it's not you know, against black people or Asian people, it's against the Irish. And I know many Irish people that are like really good friends. Some of my best friends are Irish people. <laughs> but I worked at an Irish bar for many, many, many years through many St. Patrick's Day. And to, to, the, to their credit, most of the people that made asses of themselves on St. Patrick's Day weren't Irish <laughs> at all. They were just out for St. Patrick's Day. But the like Irish music and the whole like Irish sort of stereotype where some people would get very like I'm Irish and blah 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 and we're a hard drinking poetry writing you know shit talking people and blah 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 every once in a while you would run into somebody like that I'm wearing my kilt and you know and they would talk in a lilt and stuff and you know they didn't grow up with that lilt that they put it on and stuff that's what every single person in this in this uh, episode was <laughs> they just like the stereotype to the nth degree I mean the the the, the strong-willed you know Irish Irish woman and the drunken slothful Irish men except Darby for the young the, all the uh, yeah all the old guys are Darby O'Gill and all the young guys are big buff you know like yeah but they all turn into like drunk grandpa and I mean and they're all talking in their in the in their stereotyped uh, you know semi um it's like you're you're at a really bad um, Renaissance fair or something, 
you know, and they're and 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 let me tell you something. You got your Amish, right? And your Amish live simply, you know, and and with Harrison Ford, and they're and they raise barns all day and and all that. But when they see a car, they don't go, "Oh my God, what is that?" Oh dear God, what is that animal? You know, they they know it's a car and, and an engine and stuff. These guys are on a spaceship. They got there by a spaceship. They, you know, they're not dumb. They know their history. They chose to live a simple life or whatever. But yet they're still they're on the the Enterprise and they're like trying to start fires on the. You know, they're portrayed as sort of becoming dumber or something. I don't know. By living simple, they've somehow become dumber or. Well, I don't know. All the, all the, all the, like, I think the only males that have any, like, lines are the older guys. So they're all, basically, they're all, you know, Lucky the Leprechaun. Literally, they're all <laughs> little short guys with big red noses. And, oh, hey, hey, have a touch of this, you know. And you notice that when he's going to give O'Brien a little taste of the old, uh, the hoocharoonie. That O'Brien's just like, oh, don't mind if I do. So it's just like, why, why on Next Generation is there always a space racism? And granted, if there's any race that I'm going to get space racist over, it's going to be the Irish. But come on, Star Trek. Even I wouldn't, you know, put up this. The, the, the characters are all just bro such broad strokes. And... Oh, it just, it was, it was painful. It was painful. And it, and it was almost like an excuse to have this sort of non-space story going on, which made me think, you know, Star Trek, you should really stick this and the next one. Stick to the sci-fi elements. Yep. Because the sort of sitcom, you know, silliness and stuff like that it, it it's not working as well in next generation as it would once in a while in uh in the old school especially in this one it's just you know i i can't even remember the character's name but he's basically the leprechaun version of harry mudd in this one you know he's kind of ne'er-do-well dan dano or danilo or something he, like that yeah, something drinky o or something like that but See, I actually, <clears throat> I actually really like episodes like this, and I'll tell you why. Because we get to make fun of them. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's always that added bonus. But it annoys me very much the pretentious Star Trek fan who wants to treat my beloved uh, original series with Kirk and them like it's the the crazy old uncle of star trek and With they'll Cap point S. to huh yeah and then you have this yeah right you know they, they'll point to start you know the original series and go oh you know it was cheesy and it was crap and it had goofy effect and blah blah and they'll run down this litany of things oh, a lot of them which will be true and they'll hold up next generation as some you know icon that you know that was just pure and wholesome and wonderful and they never had any you know and i love it when i can go oh wait a minute what about the one with the with the irish folk 
what about the you know the planet uh you know planet africa episode which was like what like the second episode of the series right, i think second right. or third episode you know stuff like that and go look you know you got to remember that the show it it had its moments too oh, yeah. where they look back now 20 some years later and go Holy, well come on we just we, had we really did that? snore last month with a- when andy was here that was a right. that was kind of a uh, clunker rooney well, you know, there's a difference between a clunker and and one that you look back on years later and go, "Wow, we really we did that," you know. And I know that those guys look back on this particular episode and again, you know, the the, the Planet Africa episode and look at it and just go, "What the hell are we thinking?" You know. And this is one of them because it, it is. It's not so much. I don't think racist as it is just it plays to every stereotype in the book but see i like that sort of thing because if i ever go to you know if i'm if i'm ever fortunate enough to actually get to go to ireland and it's not like this i'm gonna be you're gonna be well you're gonna be surly you you are gonna be surly disappointed because nowhere exists like this except stereotype land and with me, who I pride myself on not being racist except towards the Irish, it's like Indiana Jones and Snakes. You know, this episode comes <laughs> on and I go, the Irish. Why does it have to be the Irish? You know, because if it was any other kind of, if it was a planet of Asian stereotypes and they were like, oh, hello, Enterprise, you know, <laughs> I'd be all down for I I'd be just like, oh, God, yeah, this is great. But this, no, this rubs me the wrong way, you know, the, you know, and just the body language that like, and, 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 you know, I mean, we were having this conversation earlier, the, 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 the young Irish woman who, um, ends up, uh, Scroggin, she is, she is hot. She is hot. She's bitch on wheels though dude well it's oh it's God. but that's it she's like a stare if she was like a well-acted bitch on wheels all right well that's just adding to the boner but not this character this character is like <laughs> it's like renaissance fair it's like a caricature of like she puts her hand on her hip and like thrusts her hip out and is just like what are you doing dad oh i smell the liquor on your breath and you know you men and blah 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 and it's all just a collection of of you know, stereotypical phrases and uh, it's basically an Irish step and fetch it routine. <laughs> that doesn't, it, that, and that attitude doesn't really like. Oh, it's supposed to show her hot temper and stuff that and stuff, but it's very clunkily done. And it's done. The actress who does it does it sort of from like almost like she was doing it for a stage production. You know, at a, you know, of a of a like she was improvising the. The angry young Irish washerwoman sort of character. So it, it didn't work for me, but yeah. But visually, she was she was a hottie, hottie. Well, oh, that part where she took off the the oh yeah whatever that was like the skirt. I was like, oh yeah, hottie mama. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And she asked Will Riker the question that I really think should have been put to Picard regarding the the, the next episode that we're going to cover. When she uh, she asked him, she goes, what's the matter, William? Do you not like girls? I really think that somebody should have asked uh, Picard that, that question, but we'll get to that well, with the next one. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing about Riker is, okay, 
this is another thing that I didn't understand about this. Although, you know, I, I gotta say, it, there's all these fun elements in it that are just weird. Like, you think at one point that Worf is gonna, is gonna do Pulaski. I, I was definitely getting that vibe, right? When they're sharing their tea and stuff. Come on. <laughs> you got a different vibe than I got, but I like that scene a lot. I, that was actually one of the I, better scenes I think in Pulaski, the episode. Yeah, I, I think Pulaski was thinking, would I go there? Yeah, I think I might go there. I'm a doctor. I could heal myself <laughs> afterwards if I had to. <laughs> and, you know, I'm I'm tough. I, I did like that scene, though. I mean, I, I've said I it many too, times but before. It was I'll say it again. I like Dr. Pulaski. So... But then but yeah, there's I did. I like that. then there's a whole sequence that I call Easy Bake Riker, when when he gets when he gets alien abducted and gets his his stomach cells stolen. All right, is it just me? But why the hell is everybody like clones? Oh, and like all of a sudden they have a big stick up their ass about clones, where they're just like, oh no, I won't. I'd give them a piece of hair. I'd be like, sure, here you go, guys. All right, what else can I do for you, you know? Oh, save your civilization? You can have a piece of my hair? Yeah, here you go, dude. Why If not? they don't breed, how is that saving their civilization at all? It's not like it's a new infusion of DNA to add to the gene pool. Not at all. All they're going to do is start cloning... Riker and right, Pulaski. But then they could start mixing up the DNAs. They could start using all the, the start making different variations and prolong their. If that's true, then why weren't they already doing that? They didn't have any. All they had were three. All they had were the the their the those three strands of DNA. Now, why they didn't save DNA from all the other colonists who died? I don't know. You know, maybe they started cloning themselves when there were only three people left or something. I don't know. <clears throat> but I don't know why it's treated as such a, like, you know, repulsive thing that, that, that makes, you know, it makes Riker, it makes them hostile and, like, ashamed. They, like, look down when they're, like, when they shake their heads, no, you can't have our DNA and stuff. And they don't bother to go, like, you know, they they ask the people around, everybody around the board, you know, room just sort of is like, no, no, not me, not me, not it, not it, not it. Why doesn't Picard go, I don't know, let's ask around the ship, you know? Because I got to tell you, about two hours earlier, Riker wasn't so stingy with his DNA. <laughs> Riker, was, Riker was sharing his DNA left and right, you know, so... Yeah, I, I I just didn't get all that. You know what I mean? I I just didn't get why it was such a horrible taboo thing to clone people anyway. Why why would that be a horrible thing? You know what? I never got that whole like abomination of cloning or or like you know I I can't imagine that if you like if you cloned me, if you made a clone of me. Oh, good and Lord. it grew up somewhere else. It would be nothing like me. It would look like me, you know, but it would be nothing like me because it would grow up in complete. Well, there, that's where the abomination part comes in right there. <laughs> but, you know, depending on, you know, I, I just don't think it would genetically be, you know, um, 
it, 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 genetically maybe like the same intelligence level, you know, poor thing. But from that, <laughs> it, from that point on, it would just be built off that. So having these clones isn't like having the same person going, oh God, not again, you know? It's, it's like still having a bunch of different people. So I didn't see why it was so, it was creepy, of course, looking at all the clones and going, oh. And then of course it had my favorite line of dia dialogue in the whole thing. Clones? Clones? Clones. It reminds me of the old Battle in Outer Space words we used to write were kitty litter? <laughs> right. <laughs> they also had a character named Vallis, which I thought was cool because it was, I think that's a, maybe they were paying tribute to Philip K. Dick because that was one of his books was uh, Vallis. Hmm. I missed that. But another another thing that I thought was a glaring when they go down to the cloning lab, wouldn't you bring your security team with you? Not just, you know, what was it? What was it? It was Riker, what, just Riker. It was Riker the doctor. Was it Riker the doctor and Jordy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, why Why would you bring... Why, why wouldn't you bring Worf and a security team with that happens a lot though where they do stupid stuff yeah. like that where you think that they should you know go in with an armed team and they and they go in with you know the most important people in the in the whole crew and no backup another and so, thing yeah. and, and i and i'm guessing that you weren't a watcher of the dave Chappelle show i saw a little bit here and there okay do you remember charlie murphy from the dave Chappelle show he's eddie murphy's brother and he looks a lot like eddie murphy but he's a little like stockier I no, but I did. I did have a note here, Space Eddie Murphy, because the, that I one set of clones. God, well, that was about the uh, that time period. You know, he was he was be playing bit parts in movies and showing up here and there. It's conceivable. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, that looks like Eddie Murphy. And then I'm looking closer, and I'm like, you know what? It really it looks more like Charlie Murphy. So then I was looking at the credits and it didn't list have, you know, a comprehensive list of the, the cast. So then I went to a couple of the, you know, online resources and didn't see Charlie Murphy listed there. But that doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't that he wasn't in it, you know, and uh, and and nobody, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was sort of like, I don't know, put me in a uniform and they put him in a uniform and shot him like five times and composited them into the because they're all composite shots in that because it's all multiple clones so i don't know i swear it was it was charlie it, it looked just like charlie murphy you know it was like that just off eddie murphy sort of thing let's see i'm looking here but I, yeah i don't it, see that it name didn't listed. turn up anywhere and i never like even doing searches for it, I didn't find a forum where anybody was going, wasn't that Charlie Murphy? Or I remember that time Charlie Murphy told me he was on Star Trek or something. So nothing. So I have nothing to back it up. But God, it looks like him. <laughs> but, and and what's up with Picard at the beginning of this? He like won't let, he's like barking at Riker and won't let him finish a sentence and, and stuff. It's very strange. Because at first, he's all... Eh, I, do, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching this one going, Oh, jeez. <laughs> spent all their money on Q-Who. Is that what happened? 
I had just a few notes on this. I do like this episode, despite myself and despite any sort of real logic or whatever. I still walk away going, ah, it, it amuses me in a in a weird kind of way. Um, I love the scene right at the beginning of the episode where uh, Picard plays the noise for, for Riker and says, hey, do you recognize that? And I wanted so bad for Riker to go, yeah, that's Asteroids. Because, I mean, it's just a generic video game sound. It could be one of, like, 20,000 old Atari 2600 exactly. games. And he knows exactly what, like, ship and model number and year and everything that this sound comes from. I'm like, really serious? Come on. Um, Scotty was watching this with me. He was laying on the couch, not even really paying attention to the episode. He was playing with his phone and texting and stuff. But he still had the best line in my notes, which was as soon as they beamed up the people, he goes, oh, great. More primitive screwheads, <laughs> which I thought was just <laughs> awesome. Um, I got to point out, and I know this is super nitpicky, but this is not how the transporter works. That part was just stupid, where they beam them up. And, you know, they get the space hillbillies with, you know, their pigs well, and, and chickens. Well, they're surprised and... that there's pigs and chickens. They would have known there was pigs and chickens coming. Exactly. They they have to choose what they're locking onto and beaming up. The transporter is not a teleporter. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't just lock onto an area and beam everything in that area up. You know, it, it locks onto specific life forms and beams that that's why they always say things like three to beam up or whatever you know so that they they know exactly what they're bringing up and what's in the bus so the whole thing with you know not only bringing up the animals but then also you know there was hay all over the that i i understand from a from a comedic and from a a story aesthetic you know, a visual, you know, you're doing a visual gag to, to make a point that, you know, yeah, they're, they're primitive people. Okay, I get that. But you, you have to have that trade-off between the gag and operating within the physics of the world that you've established. And that, to me, just annoyed the hell out of me because it's just, it, it's not funny at that point. It, you've crossed the line into just being stupid. And I thought that was a really stupid moment of the episode. I didn't think any of it was funny at all. <laughs> the uh, It is made up for, though, by probably the best scene in the entire episode, in my opinion, was when <laughs> right after the introduction of Hottie McHotness there in the in the cargo bay and everything, and she makes such a, a an impression on Riker and they're batting their eyes at each other and everything. Picard, Riker, and I think it's Worf that's with him. They all turn to leave and they're walking toward the, the cargo bay doors. And Riker just kind of stops and, and Picard looks back at him like, what? And, and Riker just says, you know what? You, you, you assholes go on ahead. I'm going to go back and see if I can get in her drawers. And I loved that part. I was just like, all right, this this feels like Kirk to me. You know, I really like that. And sure enough, like two scenes later, they're back in his quarters and he's taking her clothes off. I and like her. Like, She's got a fire in the belly. Yep. He's a smooth operator. Well, it's hard to say which one of them's a smooth operator because she's going for whoever's the top gun, you know. Right. This so, is true. So, yeah. 
Which is funny, because there's going to be some more of that in the next episode. <laughs> well, you know, it's they like, were concerned about adding to the gene pool. I'm, I'm thinking that there's probably a little Riker in, in, in her future, but you never know. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? What were you saying about little Riker? Little Riker. Time to take little Riker out for a walk. Is that what he was saying? <laughs> Time for little Riker to come out and play. Exactly. <laughs> and um, there's a whole thing made in this Number about... 1.5. <laughs> they, they go down to the planet and, you know, uh, Riker and Pulaski get abducted so that they can have their bellies probed and all that. Yeah. And Jordy goes looking for them. And, you know, so later on, they when they are, they're all comparing notes... There's this whole point made about how Jordy's, you know, supervision gives him the yes. ability to tell when people are lying and all that. I'm fairly positive that that is never mentioned again, and I'm pretty sure that there's ample opportunity for that to come in really handy in the future. Well, they should have had a and great they never they had Leslie turn to him and go. <coughs> um, you, you, you can tell when someone's lying. And he's like, yeah, what's it? And he's like, so you know I did take your porn collection? <laughs> yes, I knew Wesley. I'm going to have to really try my best to pay attention from here on out and see if opportunities creep up where Jordy the human lie detector could have Say been a, you know, save the day or you know been of some assistance or something because I'm I would have pretty, been pretty sure. pissed off. I would have been like, you'd never told me that, dude. Or uh, <laughs> we've been playing poker for the last six months, asshole, and I've been losing every time. You know, I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he it seems like that would make him a better a better poker player at the very <laughs> least. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. Well, I want my money back, even though we don't have any money. This episode had a lot of potential because uh, according to what I was reading, the original intent of this story was basically to to have social commentary on both kind of prejudice. I don't know so much racism, but definitely prejudice and immigration and i think you know there, there was a lot of potential there to really deliver a, a much more powerful story than we ultimately got really the only thing that remains of that at the end was the prime minister you know has just a little moment where he's like i don't want these hillbilly bastards hanging around my nice clean swanky digs yeah, but that's really all we ever got. And so there was a whole lot more potential there to really play up that angle of, you know, these people who consider themselves to be the sophisticates in order to save themselves, they've got to take in, you know, the this, you know, what they perceive to be kind of dirty, grubby, undesirable right. people. And, you know, there's there's a there's a nice something waiting to happen there that just never did. You know what I mean? Right. Nice well, it was commentary. sort of like, I think they were sort of going for, you know, these guys have gone to, it's almost like the Vulcans, you know, these humans have gone too far to this one extreme and this one's gone too far to this extreme. 
now they need to meet each other in the middle to, to guarantee their mutual, you know, benefit. Right. And you get that from it, but it's not, it's kind of, it's kind of clumsily portrayed. Yeah, I could, I, it, what, from what you're saying there, it makes a lot more sense why this is such a bad episode, because they probably tried to take some statement out of it and ended up having no reason to have, you know, the, you know, um, oh dear God, what was, <laughs> um, what was the name of it? It was a stage play, and it was like it was it was there a stage play about like a village full of Irish people that would show up every like hundred years or something. Brigadoon. Brigadoon. That it's like the cast of Brigadoon, you know. So it went from being some social message on immigration to you know. Yeah, they'll never get me lucky charms. <laughs> Darby O'Gill and the little exactly. <laughs> Darby O'Gill and the s little space people. And the little clones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well. Well, ready for the next part? I guess, as uh, ready as I'm going to be. Oh, good. Lord Almighty. All right, let me dig out my book again. All right, so this book, next book, one. Book, book, book. Oh, my goodness. This one, uh, you know, I, I, I could find nice things to say about. Um, uh, about uh, up the up the long ladder, which I'm still. I'm sorry, it just makes me laugh. But this next one, I'm sorry, these, I really got. These are the two little. gayest titles of Star Trek ever, especially when you put both of them together in in sequence. <laughs> this one is called Manhunt. Manhunt. Next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Counselor Troy's mother is on a manhunt for a new husband. A betazoid woman, when she goes through this phase, quadruples her sex drive. Now, Picard's hiding in the holodeck to escape wedlock. Perhaps we should consider my alternate plan. Riker is the next man she hopes to seduce. Married until death must do part. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. All right, let's get started with this Month's Star Trek Monthly Monday, the Next Generation synopsis. Um, I don't see anybody in the booth. What's going on? I thought we had Arnold Schwarzenegger back again. Can somebody tell me what's going on? Why is there a pig in the recording booth? Anyone? Anyone want to answer that question? Well, that's what Demanda Corp sent over. And supposedly it came straight from Dufo himself. He said that this was our Arnold that we were going to have for this month. <sighs> All right. Let me go. I'll go in there and see what's up with this pig. I don't know why. We have a pig in the recording studio. Over here. Let's see what this pig... All right, let's see. He's got a tag. Hold on. Let's see what he's got here. All right, easy, easy, easy. All right, all right, okay. All right, calm down, calm down, calm down. Calm down. All right, all right, good put. All right, all right. All right, what does this tag say? This tag says, Dear, oh, I got to read this as Dufo. I, I've never seen anybody who's been able to write in an Italian stereotype language. Dear Abilla, this is it a pig for this month's Star Trek The Next Generation synopsis. 
synopsis is? Anyway, his name is Arnold Ziffel. Arnold Ziffel? That's right, uh, Arnold Ziffel. He's a good pig. I sent along a uh, universal translator so that the pig could talk for you. Please take care of Arnold. Sincerely, Adufa. Hmm. Universal translator, huh? Alright. Let me take a look at this thing. Okay. Turn here. Face towards pig. Place around neck. Press this. And this. And this. And let's see what happens. <laughs> Human dog. I will kill you for what you have hey, done whoa, to whoa, me. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you, some kind of Klingon pig or something? I, I, I don't understand what's going on. This is, this is not... I am not a Klingon, you idiot. I am kosher. Oy vey. Somebody get me Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, this one aired the week of these July. Like two, or, excuse these me. are like two chapters in like some gay porn novel. <laughs> Chapter one, up the long ladder. Chapter two, manhunt. <laughs> this Chapter one three, the... where no man has gone before. Oh, no. There's <laughs> a week of Chapter June 4, the devil in the dark. Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. You're ruining Star Trek trouble with Tribbles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Sorry, everybody. That that actually... Star Trek! That could be a game, actually. (laughs) That could be a very interesting game. All right, so air the week of June 19th, 1989... The uh, the Enterprise arrives at Antiti three to pick up. Why do they bother with these planet names? I don't care about what planet Let's it give is it anyway. Antiti three to pick up two delegates and transport them to Pacifica for a conference. On the way, a small transport craft intercepts the Enterprise. Locks on a Troy. Deanna's uh, Deanna Troy's mother is aboard. She will represent Beta Z at the conference. Loxana Troy's true purpose for this trip soon becomes clear, however. She is experiencing the phase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> During the phase, a Beta Z woman becomes fully sexual. Her sex drive quadruples more. Since her husband died several years ago, Mrs. Troy has decided to do the only honorable thing. Find a new husband. Phase all over the Enterprise. <laughs> to this end, she sets her sights on Picard, of all friggin' people. Not wanting to offend Loxana by refusing her advances, Picard ducks into the holodeck uh, for the duration of the flight and assumes the role of Dixon Hill. Instead of putting his Dixon Troy. <laughs> I've been waiting for two days to say that. (laughs) (laughs) When the ship nears Pacifica, Riker and Data enter the holodeck 
to find Picard at Rex's bar. Loxana follows them in and learns that Picard has been hiding from her. She soon forgets the insult and becomes enamored with Rex, the bartender. She doesn't realize that Rex is only a holographic creation. On the way out of the holodeck, Picard feels compelled to tell her. The incident embarrasses her enough to call off the manhunt. Just before she beams down to Pacifica, Loaxana uh, does the crew of the Enterprise a favor. She informs them that the two Antedians are actually assassins. Murderers! (laughs) (laughs) Being telepathic, she could read their thoughts. As security takes the Antedians away, Loaxana beams down to the conference. And yeah, it's about as exciting as, as... this very dry synopsis made it well sound. it's comedy it's comedy character character interplay and once again my note again is please stick to the sci-fi stories yes please dear god the most Jesus, interesting please. part of this whole thing are the freaking fish heads with shower curtains wrapped around them you may be interested to know that one of those guys, and I'm not sure which one of them it is, but one of those guys is actually Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Why would you go on Star Trek to just have someone put a fish head over your head and... and... I mean, I, don't, it, it, you, I think it should have been the two guys from Barnes and Barnes myself. That would make sense. Exactly. Nick Fleetwood, I really don't know. Anybody could claim to be one of those fish heads. There, there's no way to see. They're literally a fish head stuck over a human head. The most acting they do is when they bend over their little coolers full of whatever oh squid and I should start the rumor that we're the fish head guys from this episode we should totally put that out there sure. I guess we just did didn't we <laughs> hell they bought every other lie that we've uh, spoon fed them over the years they'll buy that one too yeah I mean I mean ostensibly theoretically this show should be hilarious this episode should be hilarious because you get to see she takes pleasure in screwing with Picard. She takes pleasure in, in taking the, the piss out of him. And she does it over and over in this. But it just doesn't... It just doesn't work for me. And I think... Especially, like... All of a sudden, Picard becomes, like, Screech and Saved by the Bell or something. And, you know, he's like that teenage character where he's like... <laughs> Oh well, let me invite my friend Data over to uh, to distract you and stuff, and like dropping his napkin over his boner. And <laughs> did you notice that little napkin drop that he did? I did. I did not. Yeah, uh, there's there's a uh, there's one point where he drops his napkin, and I'm pretty sure he's like, better drop the napkin in case I have to get up. But uh. You know, with all apologies to Majel Barrett Roddenberry, who, you know, not only is she deceased, but by all, you know, by all accounts, she she was a wonderful woman, you know, a, a fine actress and all of that. And I enjoyed her in the other roles that she played, you know, in Star Trek. I just I have to be perfectly upfront. I 
hate Loxana Troy. I've always hated this character. She's just, I know what they were going for, or at least I think I do, but she just doesn't work to me. She's just annoying. I mean, like, really annoying. I, I just can't. She's like Harry Mudd or something to me. There's just well, here's, certain characters that, that fans will latch on to and just, oh, great, this is a walks on a train. And I'm like, oh, God, no. I just, I'm yeah, sorry. She's, she's sort of there to embarrass. She's there to embarrass Troy, you know, so they've exaggerated her to, like, these crazy dimensions. But that's okay. She's an ostentatious member of an ostentatious race. I get it. And the thing is, like, I probably would have done her, as would <laughs> everybody else there that she was hitting on. But they had to work it to where she wasn't just in heat, you know, she was looking for the guy that she was going to marry. So then right. nobody wanted any part of it. But. Uh, there should have been more like people like sort of fighting off the 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 scene with her and Wesley could have been way more uncomfortable. That was no, it was plenty. Uncomfortable. <laughs> that scene I thought went beyond the boundaries of good taste right there. <laughs> Again, I think it was intended to be humorous, and instead, I was surprised there wasn't a scene with Data. Oh, that's a good point. Well, here's the thing. I, if I was the writer of it, after she found out Rex, instead of being embarrassed, I would have had Picard take her aside and say, yes, Rex is a, a computer holograph simulation, but you know what? Rex, Knock yourself out. Yeah, Rex knows the entire Kama Sutra. There's, <laughs> there's women who fall in love with their vibrators, right? You know, there's women who, like, say, okay, well, I could take it men or leave them now because I got my vibrator. Think of a vibrator that's, you know, can t walk and talk and can be programmed with information, You're, you know, or, you know, like data. That's basically they're the same thing as like data. They're, they're fully functional. So wouldn't that help out a lot with her um, to get her through the phase, you know, a, a couple weeks waltzing through the, the holodeck? And, and all of a sudden she's got all these men that also she can't read their minds so it's new and and exotic for her and yeah but you said it yourself she's, she's not going through the pond far she's looking for a husband right and I think that was something they wrote into the story to bypass all to bypass her actually getting laid in this episode exactly because otherwise I think Riker would have been hit oh right. Riker would have hit it Riker would have hit it Wesley would have hit it Worf would have hit it <laughs> Everybody would have hit it. Why not? I would have hit it. Hell, I would have even gotten after Worf. I, maybe she there'd have to be a shower in between, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, half the ship would have. Why is Picard the only one in a dress uniform in this episode? If she's truly a. a, a dignitary or whatever that they make such a big deal about in this then shouldn't all of the senior officers be required to to dress up yet yeah, he's the only one that does and well it, that's it's that's that was kind of i thought one of the funny things about it is 
is somehow she managed to the the thing about it is is I think John Luc Jean Luc Picard I when when she was teasing him and like shame on you he was really thinking that stuff she was really no 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 I think he really was I think really deep down he doesn't like her but he want he wants to have some you no. know hate sex. No, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Oh, I think I, I think if if you could really project what he was thinking up there on the screen, he was he was wanting nothing better to be curled up with his big book of Shakespeare oh, yeah. in his ready room. No, or no, that's he's just a boring yeah, old. Yeah, but there was a part of him. There was a part of him deep down in his loins going, "Oh yes, yes, Sean Luke." No. <laughs> Wait until yeah. we get to Captain's Holiday. I am going to have that a sounds field like day. another gay porn novel. Yes. <laughs> and it is. Because I'm going to have a, me. If a you go to Amsterdam, day. never order the he Captain's goes, Holiday. <laughs> he goes to this planet that serves no other purpose than to get you laid. And what does he do? He parks his ass in a beach chair and reads a book the whole episode. Mm. And I'm not making that up. So, yeah, Picard does not, you know, he doesn't impress me that he's really all about the ladies. No, it's you know? called repression, man. That's the thing, though. He's repressing it. It's there. It's repressing it. That's why she's, that's why she's tweaking him, and that's why he it drives him nuts. But it's not one of those things where... If he ever admits to himself, yes, I'm, he's never going to go for it because A, it would be the same reason in that situation. I would never go for it because I don't want to end up being her husband. Holy cow. Could you imagine that? (laughs) It would just be the worst trap in the world. So everybody was trying to dodge that bullet. So that that's the only way it made. That's why they didn't. That's why she could move on from one guy to another in that manner instead of moving on in a different through them in a different manner, which would have gotten them in trouble with the with the censors probably. But it it just yeah. I mean, it it's it's always good to see the hard her hard drinking valet. I like that guy. He's a freaky looking lurch guy, and it's always nice to see him. Just he was lurch in the Adams family movies. in the movies, and and the way he would just like the way he, when he drank that whole bottle, and the look. <laughs> it was there was some great deadpan acting there of just like his blank stare. You know, at all times after drinking that whole thing, and you could tell he was pickled, but he was <laughs> maintained. There's just his eyes were off just a hair. It was wonderful, you know, physical, silent acting. Pretty much the high point of the whole, <laughs> whole thing. I would have thought it was very funny if if uh, Picard would have gone into the holodeck and been like, "Computer, cold shower." <laughs> You notice what's he start doing? What what's he start? He that you know, they start trying to start fights with him in the holodeck, and he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna take this holodeck. He was taking his holodeck experience towards porno land. He was like, you know what? I'm gonna ask out my secretary. She's kind of cute. We'll go to the bar. They were going to the bar and starting to to get liquored up a little bit. <laughs> Scotty asked yes, me. He goes. He goes. Why doesn't he just go horseback riding again? <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. Scotty knows Wait. why he's not going horseback riding. 
<laughs> um, he ain't fooling anybody. There's a scene toward the beginning of this episode that makes me nuts every time this kind of thing happens on Star Trek. You know, there, there's a captain, and, and they're supposed to answer to this guy. And when he barks orders... You know, we, we pointed this out way back in the neutral zone. There was that part where, uh, you know, one of the 20th century people comes up to the bridge and Picard turns around and says, get that man off my bridge. And the security guards grab him. But as soon as something interesting happens on the view screen, they forget all about following <laughs> They orders, just sort of right? drop him and like, wait a minute, yeah. let's see how this is going to turn out. Yeah. Exactly. There's a moment very similar to this at the beginning of the episode where... Troy pops up out of her chair and says, oh, no, not her, something to that effect. And Picard goes, what, what is it? What, 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 what? And she never answers him. And that, it just makes me nuts. It's like, look, you've been asked a question by your captain. You've got to say something. And she never does. And, of course, then it plays into the whole stupid thing with, you know, Luoxana sticking her head into the screen. But it's still, it was, it, I, I just... It makes me crazy, you know. Ugh. The whole uh, it, it, it's funny that this really didn't occur to me until this episode, and maybe it's because um, Major Barrett just she she's I don't know if she's got bigger eyes or she just played more with her eyes or or what in this episode, but it really hit me for the first time that the whole Betazoid contacts thing, you know, with with their pupils really never worked for me and and it's kind of i think it's kind of a wasted effort because i think just with tv being what it is i i don't think a lot of times you could really even notice that their eyes were any different than anybody else's you know because like there's a the part where where she and uh picard are at dinner together just the way the lighting is and everything, there's really yeah. not any noticeable difference between her eyes and his. So she's got to wear, you know, like Deanna, for example, you know, that actress had to wear those contacts through the in- entire course of the series. And at the end of the day, did it really make any difference? I mean, was it, not it's much. not like Spock's ears, you right. know, Spock's ears, you can look right at him and go, Oh, alien with her. I mean, I have to check it out on the Blu-ray someday. Yeah, Maybe. But, you know, with, with TV as it was back then and I'd even only now. Notice I only it just, once in a while, really. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I just think it was kind of a, a a wasted effort. Now, did you notice that uh, not long after Troy finds out that Picard is with her mother... Then we cut to another scene of, of Data giving his, his stupid lecture thing there. And a couple minutes into that scene, here comes Deanna just bursting into, you know, <laughs> into their quarters. Right after she'd and, had a conversation where someone was like, hey, you know, they're both grown-ups, you know. Right, exactly. And she sort she of, you come... sort of say, see her go, yeah, you're right, you know. But then she bursts in anyway. Yep. And I'm thinking, you know, the captain, he could have been up to his ankles in... Uh... She might oh, have wait, been wait, able wait. to sense. Oh, well, you know, we are talking about Picard, not Kirk. Right, so. right. No, she but might still. have been able... It doesn't take a bait of Zoid to sense that you might want to go in and Kirk block the captain at that point. <laughs> Spock block him. 
I should have rewound this to to be sure, but I'm pretty sure that Picard called Troy Diana at one, or Diana rather at one point instead of Diana. But like I said, I should have rewound it. I was just kind of I don't know bored and <laughs> whatever. I didn't bother. But it was just that goofy accent. I was proud of myself that I made a really good catch watching this this time. Um, you know, there's that scene where where Picard is playing Dixon Hill and somebody keeps coming in and that trying sounds, to kill him. That sounds pretty. Uh, yeah, I know. It too. sounds rude. The second guy that comes in when he it's like the angle of the of the scene changed. And he got a really good look at his face for just an instant. Yeah, Jeff and he Foxworthy. Was kind of a, huh? I thought it was just Jeff Foxworthy. He does actually look a lot like Jeff Foxworthy. But he's kind of a bug-eyed looking guy. And as soon you as know I got you're a, a mobster when you try to shoot <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> he got a really good look at him for just a second. When I saw those bug-eyes, I was like, is that Gowron? So I looked it up, and sure enough, it's uh, the actor's name is Robert O'Reilly. He he's going to become very important in the series here in a little while. He plays a character called uh, Gowron, and uh, and this was his first uh, appearance Gowron. on Next Gen. But I thought that was actually pretty cool that I caught that. Gowron. And then uh, the other guy, the the he he's the first guy that pops in and pulls a gun, and then later on he comes back in with a machine gun. Um. I can't remember the actor's name. I think that was Governor Christie of New Jersey. I think that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was the guy that played. uh, He was the voice of Bullock on uh, Batman the Animated Series, but he's also the guy in Total Recall, another Total Recall connection. He was the guy that says, You blab, Quabe. You blabbed about Mars. I love that. Um. We get some more spacism in this episode with a little talk between uh, uh, Wesley and Worf about, you know, Worf asked him point, did you think I was ugly when you first saw me? And Wesley's kind of like, well, yeah, kind of, I did. I was kind of intimidated by your large um, forehead. (laughs) And you gotta love the scene where uh, where um, Major Barrett's talking to herself because she's playing Loaxana Troy talking to the computer who's voiced by Major Barrett. Yeah, I thought that was, that was a nice touch. Cool that was neat. But other than that, I think I've run out of nice things to say about this episode. I pretty much consider this one to be crap on a stick, to be perfectly frank. It is a shame that uh, Pulaski and uh, and Loaxana never met up in this episode. I would have liked to have seen the two of them kind of I, I'm not sure that they would have got along with each other. I would have. Pow, wow. <laughs> not like that. Pow, wow. What do you mean? I'd definitely uh, watch that. I'd put a quarter Creepy. in the slot and watch that. Wow. 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 <laughs> do you have anything else on this one? Not really. I guess I don't hate the character of Laksana Troy. I kind of like the character in theory. But it's hit and miss in what context they bring her in. And maybe it's just because it's, you know, Majel Barrett. So it was it was kind of neat. I remember I liked her a lot more when I first watched the series on TV. I was kind of like, that's a great idea. And she pulls off 
you know, playing two different characters on the same show. A lot of other people do, but it's usually minor roles, you know. And she's pulling off, you know, being a totally different character and making it convincing. But it is kind of a broad character, you know, so to speak. Yeah, two clunk clunkaroonies in a row. They're watchable, entertaining clunkaroonies, but they're not the most scintillating Star Trek stories. It was like what we were saying in the last, not last episode, but the other episode of this month's Star Trek shows of... There's a lot more Star Trek sh stories that aren't really Star Trek stories than Star Trek stories that are Star Trek stories. Uh? In a pure Star Trek sense. Dude. <laughs> well, next time, we got a couple that... Uh, one of them I remember and one of them not so much. But we got two episodes. One of them is called The Emissary, where uh, Worf gets to get his Kirk on. So that's uh, that's worth waiting for. That's, that's actually a pretty good episode, as I recall. And plays into future storylines very nicely. The other one is one called Peak Performance that I really don't... I thought that would don't... be one where um, Worf gets his... <laughs> I don't remember the A plot in this one, but I do remember that it has yet another connection to Total Recall. So I'll point that out when we get there. But uh, that'll be for next time around. Is that it? That's all I got, man. That's all, all they're right. getting from me. <laughs> what do you people want from me? <laughs> And then we'll get emails and they'll tell us what we want. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads. Laughing happy fish heads in the evening, floating in the soup. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. Ask a fish head anything you want to, they won't answer, they can't talk.
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts, for more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. Too strong. Then shower up with Irish Spring. Ah, the double deodorants of the very one to get a strong man fresh. Look, and these green and white stripes are two deodorants to get a man fresh and clean. What a fine fresh scent. That's why I use it too. Irish Spring with two deodorants. Gets a strong man fresh. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.